0: Ready to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. The Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick, daughter, Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations of the globe in their information pack, Tea for Two, a Mother-Daughter Brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors, and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the Airwaves, Turn off the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, Be the Star You Are, starts right now.
1: Well, Hello, Power Partners. Welcome to Radio's Finest Program of Positive Book Talk, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am Cynthia Bryan, and of course, I am so happy to be here and be your personal growth success coach, bringing you the authors, the experts, and professionals who absolutely change your life. For the better. We have a thrilling and adventurous show for you today. Coming right up is author Brooks Albrees. He's going to return with his adventures, A Blue Ocean Bob. And this time he's going to discuss some of the fun and simple ways that we can teach and incorporate lessons of success into the everyday lives of our kids. And those are lessons that'll stay with them for the rest of their lives. And we all know we need that. And in our second segment, you're going to meet a real-life secret agent from Great Britain. He was a MI6 secret agent, Matthew Dunn. He has released his first book, Spy Catcher, sure to be the thriller of the year. So I guess only a real spy can catch another spy. And then finally, Heather Brittany will be with us for the final minutes where we're going to talk more about tornadoes, twisters, and then Operation Disaster Relief. So sit back, turn up the volume, and come play with us in our sandbox. Well, of course, you want your kids to be confident, to be good people, to be enthusiastic, and to have a life full of happiness. But How about helping them discover their passions and their purposes early in life? It's not something that just young adults and adults need to do. Why can't we start with preschoolers and develop positive attitudes to help them achieve whatever it is that they put their minds to? So, Brooke Albreyes came up with this bright idea, and he never expected to be an author, but after having his own child and studying the philosophies of Bob Proctor and Napoleon Hill and Earl Nightingale, he realized that the teachings of these wise adults could be easily translated into a language for kids so that they could implement it and really enjoy life more. He began with the book, The Adventures of Blue Ocean. Bob, the rest, as they say, is history. And of course, Brooks is with us. Welcome back, Brooks, to Star Style. Be the star you are.
2: Thank you, Cynthia. It's great to be back.
1: I've given you an awfully long intro. Sorry about that. But first of all, (laughs) I want to say thank you in front of our worldwide audience for being the first to jump on board to help the children, the schools, and the clinics in Joplin, Missouri that were so affected by the terrible tornadoes. You were unbelievably enthusiastic about helping. You wanted to get Blue Ocean Bob, the adventures of Blue Ocean Bob, out there and spread his wonderful verse. You just jumped on board, and I just want to acknowledge you and thank you from everyone because this book is an amazing book, and you're there to help. So thanks, Brooks.
2: Well, thank you. I I appreciate the opportunity and, you know, I feel like Blue Ocean Bob has a message that's positive and looks forward and I just know children in that situation, that's what they need and so it just gave me a lot of happiness knowing that the book would be going into their hands and and that it would really have the impact that that I hope it can have, particularly for people who, who, you know, who may be down at the moment but have bright futures ahead of them.
1: Exactly, and that's why I contacted you first because I really, as you know, I'm a big fan of the Adventures of Blue Ocean Bob and, and your whole upcoming series that you're doing through Children's Success Unlimited because kids really are stressed and overstimulated and it, today. They have, like, too many activities going on. They don't really get time to be kids. And what you've done with the Adventures of Blue Ocean Bob in your first book, Blue Ocean Bob, Discovers His Purpose if give kids some time to relax to wind down and to enjoy the story so let's talk about how you how you discovered your passion and purpose in dis- deciding to write for children
2: well i mean it was it was a combination of my own personal passion for kind of personal development and always looking for a better way to do things a, a way to be more content with my own life and also, you know, having a young son and seeing him develop uh, from when I started this project, he was around four and a half, five years old, and, and reading him books on a daily basis and thinking, wow, this information could could be, you know, translated for kids. And my thought was, you know, many times when I'd be reading my son books at night, uh, it was the rhyming books that relaxed him and, and got him in a, a mood to just kind of, you know, get into that dreamland that, that he wanted to enter, but he still you know was paying attention to what the messages were, and, and particularly Dr. Seuss is great is great for that, but there are others. And so when I kind of put two and two together, I, I said, you know, this would be great. I actually took the idea to Bob Proctor at a, at a kind of a chance meeting, and it wasn't my intention to ask Bob if I could be the one to do it. It was more to tell Bob, this is great information. Maybe there's someone who could do this for kids. And that's when he said to me, Brooks, why don't you do it? You know, can you do it? <laughs> and handed me a gold that's card. That's a great,
1: that's a great challenge, isn't it, Brooks? Because you, you in your day life, you're an attorney, you're an investment banker in Manhattan. You have a really busy schedule. But what a wonderful challenge to have someone like Bob Proctor say to you, come on, this is you could do this. You've got a child.
2: Yes, and uh, it must have been something. As Bob says, we all have something in us. That may be undiscovered, just waiting to come out. And I think for me, that was the case. You know, they, I've always loved writing. I've always, you know, loved kids, <laughs> and I've always loved personal development concepts. I studied them even as far back as high school. I had Napoleon Hill's Law of Success book that I read. So it was something that was there, but Bob, as I as I've said before, it was just kind of the catalyst that brought it out. And once he once he did that, then I've just kind of been on this path and and feel very passionate about it and. Really, really enjoy it and, uh, and see it as a compliment to what I do, you know, in,
1: in the business world. Well, be the thing about The Adventures of Blue Ocean, Bob, is the positive aspect of it. And as you said, the whole book is written in verse. It rhymes. And I know for my children when they were growing up, like you said with the Dr. Seuss books or Goodnight Moon or any of them, the ones that the kids really remember are the ones that rhyme because that way when they're in preschool and they're not even reading yet, they learn the rhymes and then they start understanding the words because they think that they are actually reading. So using verse is a wonderful way to engage children.
2: It is, you know, now since I've been on this course for a couple of years or almost a couple of years and I've been to several children's book conferences and things like that, you know, you often hear, you know, don't try to rhyme, you <laughs> know, don't, you know, because people are I guess, fearful that if the rhyme isn't good, it doesn't work, or you never can compare it to Dr. Seuss. I mean, he's just, you know, in and of himself, amazing. But I have to say, I have an amazing editor, you know, and I would lucked out. I found an incredible editor, uh, Emma Walton Hamilton, who is also a children's book author and consultant and editor, freelance editor. And so that has allowed me to have the confidence that, you know what, we can do it this way and the verse can work. And it can, it can be done properly. And, uh, you know, it's all of, like, all, like anything, you know, you need help, you need a lot of help along the way to, to get it where you want it to be. Well, I and just, the, I just, the, for me, it just came out in verse and I, you know, people have said maybe you want to, you know, write it as prose and it just, it just doesn't work for me yet as prose. Maybe one day it will.
1: Well, for, not for this book, you know, you don't know what your future books will hold, but this one, the way that the rhymes came out, they just flowed and it just goes from one, you know, from one page to the next as we follow Blue Ocean Bob on his adventure to really discover who he is. Now, what I'm crazy about with this book and with your whole idea is the fact that you're bringing to young children. And this book is primarily aimed for young children, preschool, you know, probably up to third grade, although as an adult, I love it too. (laughs) And I love how colorful it is and everything, is this can really help set dreams for children and help them start thinking about something that's bigger than them and outside themselves. So tell us about your journey of creating the ocean, why, you know, saving the ocean and, you know, the whole environmental thing was important first and how Bob finds his purpose through using animals and sea creatures.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I've always been fascinated by the oceans, love to scuba dive, love to travel uh, to you know ocean destinations or island destinations. Um, my wife's family is from Colombia, South America, so that also had an influence on, on some of the images in the first book uh, from an island we went to uh, off the coast of Cartagena. But I also believe, you, you know, as humans, you know, we, we occupy, you know, what, two, uh, one-third or, or a, le- a little less than, certainly less than a half of the uh, land masses of the globe, the rest of the oceans, and we don't really pay as much attention to it as we should, and I just think there's so much to learn and there's so much to preserve and and, and really just get kids focused on, you know, for, for the future. Um and that's why I believe that, you know, the ocean theme was important, and it just came naturally to me. Uh, and I love the sea creatures. You know, I just uh, I've always loved sea turtles and dolphins and, and walruses and all those kinds of things. So putting them in the book was, was very easy to, for me to imagine them as, as characters who, who speak.
1: Well, and also I really feel that using the sea is really critical because the sea is really our kind of our almost like a final frontier for us we really don't know a whole lot about it and teaching our children to appreciate the sea life and the animals and the whole ecosystem and how everything works is critical because you know we we ha- we tend to be afraid of sharks or be afraid of something but instead everything works together so we really have to we have to work it together. You know, we have to keep it together. Now, what? Tell us about your upcoming series and and how were how they're going to flow and what we can be expecting.
2: Yeah. So when you know when Bob Proctor said you know start writing, I just I kind of couldn't stop, and <laughs> so I ended up writing uh, ten volumes so far of stories. And after I did the first book, and I really really enjoyed doing it, and I really liked it. I also felt like there was this information. It was more than just you know a picture book for kids that they can fall asleep to and enjoy. There was a philosophy here, and I wanted to get it out sooner rather than later to kids and in a way that would be digestible. So what I've decided to do with the next book is put the next five, actually the first story as well with with some slight edits, and then the next four stories into a book which will be a transitional chapter book or... Uh, think of it as a, a, a picture book with chapters, or it's still going to be heavy on the illustrations, but it's going to have the five stories and uh, it's basically going to take Bob from discovering his purpose to uh, finding a mentor, uh, to having to do a few tasks for the mentor, to finally getting hired as the assistant to this, this marine biologist on the island. And the topics are purpose, vision, goals, attitude, and persistence. So uh, the story kind of flows together, and also I think those five are, are the real building blocks for kind of the, the philosophy, the positive thinking philosophy that you know, Napoleon Hill set out or others have, have developed. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun working on it, and I'm really looking forward to, uh, to doing it. And I have actually a, uh, a publisher slash distributor called Greenleaf Books Group that is, is helping me on this next one. And uh, as well as Emma Walton Hamilton editing, so uh, I feel like it's going to be a good, really good product when it's ready, and hopefully in 2012.
1: Well, th- the thing about it is, is you are building a foundation. I really feel that each book is like a building block for for creating minds that can expand and grow and dream, and and give them life skills because. We need to have persistence in life. We have to be perseverant and tenacious. We have to have the right attitudes. We have to have a vision. We have to set goals. So if you're starting your children at an early age and making it fun, then you're setting a parameter for their life where they really can be successful. And Brooks, that's to me what I think is very, very important about this. We're talking to Brooks Albrey, O-L-B-R-Y-S, and he is the creator and author of The Adventures of Blue Ocean Bob. And As you heard, the first book here is Blue Ocean Bob Discovers His Purpose, and then the next book is coming up. I want to give your website out so that people can go there. It's a wonderful website, Brooks.
2: Thank you.
1: You, You've really been working hard in developing it. So um, let's send people to your website, and you can get the book anywhere. And also you have cards, right? You have these memory cards. We should talk a little bit uh, about that. But the website, first of all, is blueoceanbob.com. And there you can read about Blue Ocean Bob, this book, and then you can find other tips for parents. And this is a great book to have in schools or for parents to read to their kids and, of course, for libraries. You know, every child. This should be on everybody's bookshelf.
2: Well, it just showed up on the iPad yesterday, and it's 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 other e-outlets e as well. So hopefully, you know, it can get get out to people that way, too.
1: Well and you know it's interesting cuz young kids are really into this whole you know ebook thing. I haven't grasped it that well yet, but uh, but the younger generation definitely are so it's good that it's there. Just tell us uh, quickly about the memory cards.
2: Yeah, it's just a set that that goes with the the first story but has some of the characters that are coming up in the in the next book and it's a set of memory, you know, memory cards matching but you also can play like an old dock game which is you know basically old made. Um and uh, it's just a nice, colorful card set, and it, each card has a, a small phrase on it from, from the book. So something like, look for more, or choose your thoughts. So I, the idea there is to kind of reinforce some of these ideas uh, with the cards. And um, as, as I've read you know, many times, you know, we've learned through phrases, so I, I tried to put some of the key phrases on, onto the cards with, with the images.
1: So the reality is that they're truly affirmations. Is there affirmations to, uh, for doing well and for doing good and to be growing. Well, Brooks, thank you so much for coming back on the show. The book is The Adventures of Blue Ocean Bob. Go to blueoceanbob.com to find out about the upcoming books that uh, Brooks is writing. And, again, I just want to thank you so much for participating in Operation Disaster Relief and helping all those schools and clinics in Joplin, Missouri, after the tornadoes. You really are amazing, Brooks.
2: I appreciate it. I just want to thank you for all the support you've given, given to Blue Ocean Bob.
1: Well, it's my pleasure. I love it. I really feel that this is a classic book that, you know, with some time, everybody is going to know about it. So the adventures of Blue Ocean Bob by Brooks Albrey. Brooks, we will be in touch. We know we'll be in touch. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. BlueOceanBob.com. And when we come back from break, a high octane trip across the globe, Is going to await you when former British MI6 Field Intelligence Officer Matthew Dunn joins us from Great Britain with his thriller, Spy Catcher. Don't go away. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be right back.
0: What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the starur.org.
3: Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns.
0: You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan.
1: Well, thank you for staying with me. I am Cynthia Bryan, and this is where the world comes to talk and to listen. And we are going across the pond right now with former British secret intelligence service agent, who draws on his years of experience recruiting and running agents, coordinating and participating in deep covert operations throughout the world, fighting international dangerous criminals and terrorists, and he has written a book, Spycatcher. His name is Matthew Dunn. Welcome to Star Style. Be the star you are, Matthew.
3: Thank you, and thanks for having me on your show.
1: I am I am so excited, as are our listeners, to have you on here. Wow, wow, wow. What a phenomenal book you have written. I loved it. I from the moment I started it, I just want you to know I couldn't put it down. I had to stay up all night long to finish it and I didn't want it to end. This is a fast page sizzling page turner. You've done it. <laughs> another, well, thank, another thank you.
3: Thank you. I, I, I do apologize for keeping you up all night, although that was the intention with the with the with the story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, your background as a spy with uh, with MI6, of course, is reminiscent of James Bond, and this is going to be you know people are going to really relate to that. Uh, and you are using your real name, at least that's what we've been told for this book. Is that not dangerous for you to do?
3: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, uh, um, it wasn't an easy decision to take to, to write under my own name, but the reason I did it was, um, firstly, I'm, I'm not a spy anymore, so I thought it would be cowardly to hide behind a pseudonym. Um, second, I thought that um, my readers deserved to know who I was. Um, and third, when, when I was a MI6 operative, everything I did was under a different identity, different names, so I thought that for once, when writing a novel, it would be good to do something in my own name. Um, so you're absolutely right. There, there is a threat. Um, there is a real threat, and, uh, and it's uh, it's not a, a light one. Um, but um, I'll, I'll deal with that if there is a problem.
1: Well, I hate to think how you would deal with it. Reading this book, you have to be so incredibly well-trained. And even though the agents and you used code names, didn't anybody know your face, or did you have, a, do you have a whole new face now too?
3: No, no, my face is <laughs> say, the same. It's, it's probably aged a bit, but it's the same face.
1: <laughs> it's the same face. <laughs> well, it's a very handsome face, man. Oh, thank you. Your character, Will, who is Spartan, in, um in Spycatcher, who's just this wonderful, multi-dimensional, extremely fleshed out character who is, you know, who can be absolutely deadly, but he's empathetic and caring, and he's really out just to save the world. Is he based on a combination of, of multiple characters you knew? Is he based a lot on how you had to operate? Tell us about about um, about Will, about Spartan.
3: Yeah, um, to, to answer your first question, he, he is very much inspired by the person that, that I used to be, and I do stress used to be. Um, my, my circumstances now are very different. I'm a single um, father and obviously a full-time writer, um, but he was um, certainly drawn from uh, the lifestyle that I had uh, as an operative. In terms of his character, he um, he has a very almost black-and-white view of the world in terms of what is right and what is wrong. and to a large extent that is drawn from what he has to do and the agents or assets as I think you call them in the United States that he has to run um, whose lives are, are dependent on him so he's, he's got a very clear sense it's almost like the medieval knights that um, this is what he has to do um, and that propels him through, um, through the missions he is a complex individual he, he's um, looking for to some extent looking for more than he has in his, his everyday life um, particularly in terms of he toys mentally with the idea of actually having love in his life um, but his problem, his, his conundrum is that if he allows people to get close to him uh, and indeed people um, to love him then they may die as a result of the work that he has to do uh, They may be fallouts, casualties, etc so he's a complex individual and i will be exploring that character and then developing further over the course of uh, subsequent novels
1: well that brings me to my next question because throughout the book he is exploring that you you he does it's very obvious you know that he thinks to himself gee could i fall in love could i have a family you know and but and he has that fear when this came your decision i mean you ran what's over 70 Missions and they were all successful. And yeah. when we say they were all successful, I mean, obviously, if they're not successful, the agent usually dies. So I guess you have to be successful. But was it difficult for you to transition from being this world traveling jet setter spy to becoming a father?
3: Um, well, to, to, to pick up on your first point there, as you say, all of the missions I completed were successful. Um, but just to put that into context, um, they were successful in terms of the objectives that I um, had and that I was, was, was set. Um, but that doesn't mean people didn't die in the process. So um, defining um, success obviously depends on, on which way you look at it. In terms of the transition um, from uh, working in the secret world to doing what I'm doing now, Um, It was was a gradual transition because I left 10 years ago and I went into business in the city of London, uh, and then lastly in the Middle East where I set up certain consultancies and ultimately became chief chief executive of an international firm, so there was a buffer in place there, Um, but I have to say where I am now, being a single father, I I live in the south coast of England, um, writing and, and looking after my children. Um, and writing about the world that I used to know and and the world that I was involved in, and it was a relentless, very dangerous world. Um, I'm glad I'm where I am now, as opposed to where I was in the past.
1: It's so fascinating. We're talking to author Matthew Dunn, who has written this absolutely phenomenal thriller called Spycatcher, which I truly believe is going to be the best thriller of the year. I know it's getting great reviews and I totally give it a a thumbs up. And getting to what you're talking about here, it seems that, at least from what I'm reading, that agents aren't paid a whole lot of money. What is the draw and how are agents chosen? I mean, again, if there's anything you can't talk about because I think you probably had to get certain things cleared from from the Secret Service and MI6 and intelligence in order to write the book. But it's I think that people would love to know what makes a great spy? What makes a secret agent?
3: Well, as you, as you say, I, I have to get clearance. Um, I, I'm still in contact with MI6, um, the, the British Intelligence Organization equivalent of the CIA, and and I'm, I'm on very good terms with them, um, and certainly in terms of writing the novel, Um it was very important to me not to put in, put in anything that could compromise um, existing operations and uh, existing um, operatives. Um, so that's a, that's a key overriding um, issue for me. Um, but in terms of the types of people they recruit, um, as you as you say, were not when we you know, we were not terribly well paid, um, but. They look for the brightest and the best of the country um, in exactly the same way that the CIA does in the States. Um, And those individuals that are recruited into the fold of the secret intelligence uh, world um, are obviously patriotic, um, highly motivated, um, but very, very, um, uh, that they are lateral thinkers. um, They are very distinct types of characters. Everybody varies. Um, so I think um, obviously I can only draw from my own experience but ultimately it's people that really feel that they want to stretch themselves to the ultimate limit um, and certainly based on my experience of, of what I did um, in British intelligence um, yeah, that is the life that you lead uh, and it's a real life and, and it is a, um, it's not so much an adventure it, it is um, there are real casualties in terms of what you do
1: what about Matthew? What about double agents? Uh, something that I, when reading Spycatcher, I felt th- that the again our protagonist Will Spartan had almost a sixth sense about people, places, situations, and is that something that a a good secret agent would be able to develop? Is that you just you can really think through things, so it's not it's never emotional. It's just really how to succeed on your mission.
3: Well, I, I think that's a complex question because um, I think there is a lot of emotion in in the the work of espionage. Um, the um, the people that I would run the foreign nationals, the people that I would recruit to spy on their country. Um, the, the relationship I had with them was very intense because um, they would be, whether male, female, young, old, whatever, well, irrespective of their background, um, they would be putting their lives in my, in my hands, obviously, because if they were caught by their countrymen, um, they would have been executed without doubt. Um, and probably their family, their extended family as well, would have been executed. Um, so it's a very intense situation as, a, as an operative, you're asking people like that um, to really, um, to spy on their country to go much further than the ordinary individual would go in terms of delivering intelligence, secret intelligence to you. So it's a very precarious and very tense, and very intense um, relationship you have there. Um, in terms of the objectives, um, yes, you have to be very, very calculated, um, you have to really look at the bottom line of what is it that you want to achieve, because the the objectives that an operative, as I was,
1: This is why Spycatcher is so fascinating because and I'm not going to give anything away, everyone has to read it, Spy Catcher by Matthew Dunn, but there are very, very big stakes at the end of these missions. And you as you said, that it's human beings that are dealing with them, but the balance of a nation lies in the success of the mission that you are accomplishing, and it must be very challenging to prepare mentally and physically and emotionally. I mean, you have to have a lot of arms training, and I mean, Will seemed like a man of steel. He was shot so many times and knifed and had so many things happen to him, yet he kept going. Is is that something you have to just have physical strength as well as um, emotional and mental just to be part of this organization?
3: Yeah, I mean it, it's, um, it's yes, physical strength, but but mental strength I think is even more important. Um, and, and what I didn't want to do with the, the central character Will Cochran was present him as a um, almost sort of cardboard cutout male, testosterone-driven type of character, um, because...
1: He's not at all. Um, He's very human.
3: Well, thank you for saying that. It, it's, uh, that, that. That, I think, is what I wanted to do in terms of projecting a, a, a realistic portrayal of what it's like to be an operative. Um, so, um, yes, you have to go um, beyond what normal people can do, both physically and crucially mentally. And that is most certainly true in terms of the types of people that they recruit into MI6 and the CIA and other Western intelligence organizations. Um, So that's an accurate portrayal. Obviously, in terms of Spycatcher, the the novel, the story, it's fiction, it's the story. And and first and foremost, where I sit now, I'm a storyteller. Um, But but obviously, that does draw heavily from from my background. And and what I really wanted to capture... um, amongst many things in terms of writing the story, was that MI6 operatives, um, that they're a very unusual breed of of creature, that they will never give up, uh, and they will go beyond um, the limits of of normal people, um, even other people that operate in the secret world. um, And crucially, they believe that anything is possible.
1: And Matthew, this is what I loved so much, is I felt the entire time I really wanted to be him to be my friend. <laughs> I really thought, I did. I thought, wow, you know, he loved his cup of tea. I would like to have a cup of tea with Will. And, boy, if you wanted somebody to have your back, it would be him. I have one more question I wanted to ask you, just in light of the recent helicopter crash in Afghanistan with yes. the 22 Navy SEALs that were killed. One of those was actually a friend of, of my son, and so it was very devastating. But, I'm what, sure
3: to hear that.
1: When you hear something like this, maybe you can't comment on it, but it just seems like this had, there had to be something, is that sometimes a sign of some kind of double agent at work that information was given out? And maybe you can't comment and you don't have to, but it just seems so odd that an entire, you know, 30 people would, would be obliterated like that.
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I don't have the facts to hand on that. I would personally think that it was probably, and this adds to the tragedy of of that situation, that it was probably, um, uh, as with uh, other events in in Afghanistan and and Pakistan, um, simply a a situation of, of Taliban shooting a helicopter down without necessarily knowing who was in that. So I, I would suspect it was probably random, although obviously, random, yeah, deliberate. Obviously, a deliberate attack on the United States, obviously, but random in terms of the target within that. And of course, the tragedy there is that it was a helicopter carrying such superbly trained operatives. Um, but I, I, would, right. I, I would I would doubt it was a deliberate attack on on SEAL Team Six. I, I I couldn't imagine the Taliban had that kind of
1: intelligence. Well, Matthew, your book is phenomenal. The book is Spycatcher. The author is Matthew Dunn. He's working on many more. I think we have a lot. We're going to see a lot of you in the future. Do you want to mention anything that's coming up, or should we just stick with Spycatcher for now?
3: Well, Spycatcher is out. It came out last Tuesday so in the U.S., so it's on the bookshelves now. And uh, my second book, um, uh, which deals with uh, a potential war between Russia and America, Um, that will be coming out next year, and and that book is completed. It's with my publishers. Um, I'm halfway through my third book, so the stories are well underway, and um, uh, it's my intention to take the central character, Will Cochran, through a number of different stories. Um, It could be 10, 15, 20 novels. Um, I've got lots of ideas bubbling there. Um, But... um, so I hope your readers, uh, your listeners enjoy the novel. And um, also, I just wanted to add that I, I think your program, your slot, is is is, uh, is a great, great concept. And it's very important, not least because of what's going on in the UK right now with the riots amongst the disaffected Ye- youth that, that literacy and, and promoting um, values is, is hugely important. So I think it's, it's a very well worthwhile program and I'm delighted to have been uh, been on the program
1: Thank you Matthew, we're actually going to talk about the riots in London and youth and this whole concept in our next segment with Heather Brittany coming right up but for now I want to thank you Matthew Dunn, the book is Spycatcher, we have many more books that we are going to be reading from him and Matthew I hope it's made into a movie, a series of movies I think this could be another James Bond I, this is the modern day I like it Thank you so much for being okay, on our thank show. Thank you
3: very much. Thanks, indeed. Thank you. Bill. It,
1: it was great, Matthew. When we come back from break, Heather will be with us. We'll be talking about uh, the London riots and also tornadoes and twisters and Operation Disaster Relief. Don't go away. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Be the star you are. We will be right back.
2: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple
0: iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan.
1: Do you know the 10 tips of don't when you're interviewing for a job? Do you have a job interview coming up? Last week, I spoke to a large group of unemployed professionals at Experienced Unlimited, which is sponsored by the Employment Development Department. And here are some of the 10 tips not to do on your next interview. So don't walk in with a know-it-all, egotistic attitude. Don't exaggerate your qualifications or your experience. Don't start off with questions about salary and benefits. Don't come unprepared and offer lame excuses. Don't give the impression that you have no career direction. Don't come back with shallow or vague answers. Don't say you have no questions for the interviewer. Don't talk more than you listen. Don't dress in anything less than your professional best. And finally, don't show up without knowledge of the job or the company. And I want to just add one more thing. If you're out looking for a job, have a business card made with your name and contact information on it. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan from Star Style with another business bite. Visit starstyle.us or call 925-377-STAR for coaching.
0: Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. You can be the star you are.
2: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: Turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany.
1: Well, we are playing in the playground. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is our Tea for Two segment, and Heather Brittany has been waiting. Hi, Heather. Hello, hello. I'm sorry to have kept you on hold so long, but we had two amazing guests, and of course, Matthew Dunn was is all the way from England and is a a former spy, so we just couldn't stop it. But as you heard him uh, talk about, he was really thrilled that we have a program with these positive messages in light of uh, even what's happening with the riots in England. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about the twisters and tornadoes and Operation Disaster Relief, but why don't we talk a little bit about how... Social networking kind of fueled what happened in London with these riots. And my gut feeling is as if, and this is why I was, I've been talking to my teens about uh, BTSYA.com, our new express yourself site. If young people had more places where they could connect and communicate and express themselves, Maybe this wouldn't be happening. I want to get your input on this.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, my input definitely puts into uh, what Mr. Dunn said regarding literacy and education. A lot of this stuff, um, I, I feel, a lot of the actions were uneducated actions, was needing that positive media. Is, um, this, I mean, the, the whole origination of um, the writing of, of the shooting of a young black man, however you know, who was involved in, um, you know, in a gang, in a, in a known gang and in drug trafficking. And then there's been various reports regarding if um, this young individual was armed or not, that he was shot, and he was African-American. And, of course, that outraged um, many people. And so their their view is to, to protest, to riot. And sometimes things that, um, you know, start as a peaceful protest, that start out small, Eventually, it's usually, you know, the loudest person who does not speak for the entire group. It's just whoever is the loudest who makes the scene. The one who drops the glass um, slowly becomes that snowball that really becomes it. And, and as what's gone on for the last week as these violent riots, it's just more what people were upset about, has returned violent has spread throughout you know to all of, you know to various towns um i just i'm that really it's leaving people baffled of that people are just breaking things and causing fires and looting with no reason, nothing is even related to the original cause, to the original uproar anymore.
1: And that's why um, I think it's so important, you know, if we can get um, good resources to young people at a young age, just like we, Brooks Albury was just on with his book, uh, Blue Ocean Bob, which is really about finding your purpose, and his goal is to get kids, you know, like in preschool doing that, yes. which I think is important. And if you start yeah. young, this is they—they they won't be so violent. They'll have a method to get out their aggression.
4: Yeah, and exactly. And I think very much so. It relates back to Dr. King. Of there's something definitely. If you feel any kind of political injustice, or if uh, something you stand for, or if you feel you know a belief of yours um, has been disrespectful, there are powerful ways without involving violence. To accomplish something. So um, Martin Luther King Dr. King was very big about these peaceful protests and, you know, of of coming together and about how powerful words are and the literacy of words and education. And I think a lot of times people's message, though, if they were, you know, upset about a particular cause um, involving violence and dangerous and looting and all this stuff that completely... No one remembers the cause anymore. Now, now these people that may have had this original point of trying to prove something, it all falls behind and now they're given a negative light. And so I think a lot of that gets into literacy and positive literacy and, um, improving children's vocabulary and that there's other, you know, other outlets beyond violence.
1: Um, well, which I, I, I want to send people to express yourself and this is for uh, it's a new website for young people that was established by the teens of be the star you are charity it, you go to btsya.com you can write about anything you can you can uh, submit your creative writing your songs your music your video and it really is what it means it's a place for you to communicate There will be pen pals you can do but that's just one you know one method i think But I want to, um, talking about violence, I want to just switch over to the tornadoes because I want to give a little bit of time to the twisters and then some of the work that um, Operation Disaster Relief has done. Because tornadoes are nature's like most violent storm, right? And even though they occur um, throughout the world, they're mostly found in the United States. So, talk. Tell us about what you know about uh, twisters and. Yeah, no. and regarding that, I mean, what's kind of brought us to this topic? If people are thinking, you know, why are you
4: going for one thing? Is just what be the star? So earlier this year, I this United States, not to mention this crazy economy and stocks that we're going through, it just seems like all news seems to be bad news. Um, but w- what we've always seen is that we are a resilient nation and. Many times, you know, in this society now, people don't know their neighbors, that we live in these boxes and we we really, you know, we we text, we type on the, you know, we don't communicate. However, when times of need is when you really see this beautiful side of human nature that people, whether it's in your own town or you turn on the TV and you see that, um, you know, another state, someone that's thousand miles away has just lost. Everything and it kind of gives us that moment to pause and think of all the things we were so stressful about. Um, suddenly, we have so much for and and so recently, you know, in this past year, there was a big tornado that had hit Joplin and uh, Joplin, Missouri. And you, Star, you came forward and donated. I mean, I know you have um, the the exact numbers of everything. Well, we're but we're
1: up to as of today. 45,000 dollars in brand new books have been shipped to 262 classrooms that were destroyed, 16 schools and clinics in Joplin. And we, we have to thank many of the authors who were guests on this show, Heather, for stepping forward because I contacted people and they just they got involved and they shipped.
4: Yeah and just as you said you know before, you know getting back to the whole thing is that books are powerful powerful things and whether you know it's textbooks or it's a big thing with the inspirational books Of sometimes just reading a little quote and something is that it stays with you and I know for me personally um, you know I'm recently going back and taking some additional classes and that whole thing of having a textbook the thought of having a book and that it's yours you can make your notes and comments and it's just really been um, I mean these people have lost everything and to be receiving something um, especially an inspirational piece for is, is amazing. And and then getting back onto just the tornado side of it, of how violent. And, and when I was researching all about tornadoes, it's fascinating, just our climate. the things that, again, all, there's so many things in life. You know, we worry about car accidents and money and this. But when it comes to Mother Nature, that is something we are able to plan for, expect. But it has its own destruction plan that we can't avoid. And there's so many times just trying to find that scientists can't even truly define what a tornado is. They so find the definition is still out there because there's so many various forms of it. Just like, you know, just how there's a million different ways to say ice or snow. Um, it's similar with tornadoes. There's so many different degree of weather size and the twist and, and um the climatology of it is that United States actually has the most tornadoes out of any other country, and that's nearly four times that's estimated um, in Europe. And there's actually places, you know, Southeast Asia that have many, many tornadoes. Um, And what happens, why America, or why um, North America, per se, has so many, and especially in the United States, is because of how our land formation does the whole thing with the the cool and hot air and the Rocky Mountains really contribute to it. So when when it comes to mountains and oceans from you know, states and states away, when we have these flat plains, that's why they all accumulate. They're kind of this tornado alley. Um, that was one thing that was fast because here in California, we don't experience that. We see these little dust clouds every now and then. For us, you know, we're big for the fires and the earthquakes, and again, I, more natural disasters that we can't plan for. And, and I think really in the big side, the thing of this is that there's these things in life that we can be prepared for. Um, but it's destruction. We really have no say over that, that this is just life. And um, and, and in the preparation, you know, it's like, you know, that, uh, you know, here in California, everyone has their, you know, their fire plans, their escape, their uh, earthquake plans. And a big thing in um, these plot plans in this tornado alley, you know, is having these basements, having, um, you know, they're, uh, I, I guess you should say they're kind of their tornado shells. They're a little underground Right, they're like, a shelter, they're right, an underground, underground shelter. And, and some ways, you know, there's a lot of misbeliefs too, um, you know, myths towards it, that a lot of people think, you know, if they, that tornadoes can hop over, um, freeway paths. And that's actually completely false. <laughs> I was researching it. They say that people, if you go onto a freeway thing, that that's actually probably one of the most dangerous places uh, you could be because of the structural damage um, that could happen with this. Um, also, a lot of times that these places, uh, they start so small that here, you know, they can start the dust clouds and the covering and when they can suck up and sometimes lightning bolts and all these kind of stuff get into. it. So the biggest thing, you know, safety-wise, um, with over time, they really thank you very much so to kind of the extremists, these tornado chasers, and science, that people that have taken that risk of, of chasing these things down, putting these camera systems in, trying to find more of the molecular biology and the chemistry of what makes these storm clouds has actually breathed new light into um, safety measures for people. So. Though, um, and
1: Heather, guess what? Yes. We are going getting oh, out of my, time again. As usual, it's, as usual, as but, usual. But it's always so fascinating. But I have, but you know, I think I, I just so, took so much time with my authors. But before you just give out the website, I just want to give a shout out and a thank you to uh, just a couple of our authors who've been on our show, and some who haven't even been on the show who jumped forward, and that includes Brooke Albrees, Diana Zimmerman, uh, John Woods. Maggie Mae Lewis, she's a teenager. Jeffrey Bennett, Alan Klein, and even friends of the Lafayette uh, Library got involved. So I just want to thank everybody. And if you'd like to help Operation Disaster Relief or packing books for Joplin, go to btsya.com. And thanks to all the teens. Just yesterday we shipped another seven cases, so uh, everybody's working hard. So give out the website, heads and we'll continue this conversation again. Most definitely, and again,
4: if you would like to help donate um, with any of this or even purchasing these books for yourself, check out BeTheStarYouAre.com, BeTheStarYouAre.org, as well
1: as CarmodyClutches.com, both with a K. And I just want to give our sincere condolences to the families of the men and women who died in the helicopter crash in Afghanistan. It is truly tragic. And to anyone across the country who's lost someone in our armed forces, they're out there working hard for us. And also to the families in England and London with the riots, may there be peace. Uh, with you now so thank you all for joining us thank you Heather for coming on here and sorry to cut you off but we will be back next week and until then celebrate go out in the world and be the star you are I'm Cynthia Bryan and I'm Heather Brittany and we are saying ciao for now be the star you are thanks for joining us come play with us next week (laughs) bye-bye